Does search engine optimization actually help you get more customers for your digital product? It absolutely can, if you let it. On the show today, we have an SEO expert, and she's going to tell you everything you need to know and more. Stay tuned. You are listening to the Rebel Boss Ladies podcast, where we feature everyday rebel women just like you who are taking charge of their life and creating a path to financial freedom by building a business online. I'm your host, Eden Freed, and it's time to build your empire. Welcome back to the Rebel Boss Ladies podcast. Really excited to be back. It's been about two weeks since we published a new episode because we were in Rebel Boss Summit mode like 100%. (laughs) Things got a little bit crazy, but good kind of crazy, which is awesome. But we're back and we have an amazing show for you today. On the show, we have Meg Case Bolt. Meg is an SEO specialist, digital strategist, and founder of Megabolt Digital. She helps female entrepreneurs succeed online by helping them get found on Google, then turning readers into customers, all by using custom strategies that fit them better than Catwoman's suit without the wedgie. I asked Meg to come on the show today because SEO, search engine optimization, is one of those topics that is a little bit intimidating and overwhelming. And I think a lot of times when people decide they're going to create and sell a digital product, they kind of put SEO on the back burner and they just forget about it and they don't consider SEO whatsoever because they're like, I don't need that anymore. I'm just going to focus on selling my digital product and growing my email list. Okay, well, what happens if you want sales to come in on autopilot? You can either create an evergreen sales funnel, which I highly recommend you do, or, or I should say and, or you can turn to the search engines to bring in leads for you. And oftentimes, that is a very sturdy, strong strategy. And it's one that you should definitely consider, especially if you're in a niche that isn't as saturated as some of the more common niches out there. So Meg's going to be on the show today giving her SEO wisdom and telling you guys as digital product creators and sellers how you can implement SEO best practices so that you can start bringing in new leads from the search engines over to your website and turning them into customers. So without further ado, please welcome Meg to the show. All right, Meg, I'm so excited you're here. Welcome to the Rebel Boss Ladies podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here with you and talking to all the Rebel Boss Ladies. Yeah, so this is really an interesting topic, and it's probably one that our listeners are wondering why this is even a thing. Why are we talking about this? This is like a big pain in my butt. (laughs) But we're talking about SEO today and how SEO is a critical element that you should not overlook as a product creator when you're thinking about a long-term selling strategy, and you are the perfect person to have on the show to talk about that. Yeah. So SEO, let me just really quickly do an explanation of what SEO is before we launch into it, because I think sometimes when you've been around for a long time, you think you know SEO and you just hear it thrown around kind of casually. SEO stands for search engine optimization. So it's ways to make your content and your website get found in search engines. And for the most part, when we talk about search engines, we're talking about Google because that's the biggest search engine. Or we think about Bing and Yahoo because those are kind of the the runner-up search engines. Uh, But also, YouTube is a search engine. How often do you go to YouTube and think like, 
oh, I need to know how to start my snowblower. You know, how do I do this? (laughs) Or Pinterest as a search engine, because you're going in there and saying, I need a recipe in my Instant Pot using these ingredients. Um, Amazon is a search engine. Uh, eBay is a search engine. Anywhere that you can go and you can search and find something is a search engine. And so when we're talking about optimizing it, we're talking about finding the, the keywords, the phrases that people are looking for in a search engine when they're going to Google something and then aligning your content to be found for those topics. Okay. That's really interesting. When you think about it that way, I think a lot of people don't, they, they think about search engines in terms of how they use it as a consumer, but not necessarily how you can be leveraging it as a seller. I got to ask you before we dive even like deeper into the weeds here, how did you get into this? Like when did you become this SEO guru? <laughs> so I, um, I started as a web designer. I think that no one really starts as SEO because like it's right. really nerdy and kind of boring. Like I'll be totally honest <laughs> about that. It is not the sexy side of digital marketing. Um, and I started as a web designer and I was working with my clients, creating these beautiful brands, building up websites, and they were spending, you know, a lot of time with me working on it, a lot of money to get the websites up. And then they were really disappointed because they still had the same clients. They still had the same people finding them, even with the new brand, even with, you know, the, the gorgeous rebrand, they still were having the same problems. The new website wasn't a silver bullet. And so I started looking into, okay, what are some things that I can do as a web designer to help people be found more easily, to help them not have that like big disappointment at launch because that's awful. That's a terrible feeling. Um, And as I started to dig more into search psychology and the ways that we can optimize our websites, I just kind of like dug in on SEO. I really started to enjoy it. And it's, um, it's a beast. Like all of the ways that you can optimize your website it takes a full-time focus to do it really well. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, I can do web design and I can do SEO together and I can do both of them. Okay. Or I can just like dive headfirst into SEO and become the expert on it because it, there's so many different parts. It's not just getting the right content on your website. It's also making sure your website loads quickly, that it looks good on a, you know, on a phone or a tablet and not just on a big screen. Otherwise you get penalized, making sure you don't have too much of the same content, making sure that you have good links coming into your website. there's a lot of, uh, oh, and then with local SEO and getting found locally, that's a whole nother set of rules. So it's like, in order to do it well, I really had to, to focus and niche down that way. Super cool that it kind of came out organically that you weren't just like, oh, I'm going to be an SEO expert and just dive, you dove into it that way. But it kind of came out as a result of you trying to serve your customers and clients even more than you already were as their web designer. I love that. Absolutely. And I have this great network of web designers and copywriters and marketing strategists. And once I started saying to them, like, okay, I I focus on SEO, they were like, oh my God, I've been waiting for somebody (laughs) to do this. Thank you. And so I have these great relationships with other, you know, service providers who want to give this service to their clients, who want the websites to get found, but they don't have the time to learn all the rules. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk more about that. Uh, so a lot of our listeners are either creating a digital product or they have one and they're trying to kind of get it out there to a wider audience. And oftentimes their focus is more so on social media strategy than it is on search, like 100%. They're not even thinking about SEO and search results, anything like that. So I'm curious about your perspective. What 
what's the beginning? Like, what's the first step here when we're trying to implement an SEO strategy? Well, I think the first step for trying to get you um, to, to get your digital product sold is to sell it to people who already know you. So I think social is absolutely the right place to start. You know, get a Facebook page up, get an Instagram account up and start selling to people you know and expand it out that way. But I think that it's really easy to hit a bit of a plateau with your, with your social, you know, you have a limited number of people who already know you and you, you should be developing those relationships, but there's a way to get new people to find you without you needing to do quite as much outreach. Because when it comes to social, you, you're constantly needing to push out new content to build new relationships and it can be a little bit tiring. Um, and the great part about SEO is that instead of you pushing, pushing, pushing out new content, you're pulling in people who are searching for what you're looking for. And because they're Googling something and then you're answering their questions, they already trust you because they, you know what their questions are. So if you're selling an ebook on a particular topic, you can take a section of, do you have like a, an example in mind of a client that you're working with that I could use? Um, let's see. All right. So I have a client who is selling a decluttering course. Oh, that is hot right now. <laughs> yeah, with all the conmarines that going on. <laughs> exactly. So if you have a if you have a course all about decluttering, then what you want to do is think about all of the problems that people are having that they go to Google for. Because sometimes people will go into social media and they'll do their crowdsourcing there, but sometimes they just go straight to Google to try to find an answer to their problems. So actually for this client, I might say go to Google, but also go to Pinterest and spend some time there because people, when it comes to something visual like decluttering, they're right. on Pinterest. And both of those are search engines. So you want to create some content that is the kinds of things that people are struggling with or or the kinds of things that they're aspiring to, which is a little bit more Pinterest than Google. So in Google, I might say, try to find some search terms that people are looking for that are like, you know, first of all, how do I fold my clothes? Like, like a KonMari does, like a, yeah, right. like a um, but also like, how do I keep my kids from messing up the playroom? <laughs> You know, like, like you, that's you, a hot topic. Yeah. I have a, a four year old and a one year old. So it's like, as soon as the playroom floor is clear, one of them comes and just takes a bin and dumps it all over. How do I stop them? <laughs> how do I get my kids involved in this process? Or, you know, how did, you know, I have these really beautiful clothes that no longer fit me because I was a size zero in college and now I'm not anymore, but I'm still emotionally attached to them. How do I make that shift? Finding those problems that people are Googling and answer them in a natural way on your blog. Mm-hmm. And be, you know, in this case, or it's somebody who's trying to, you know, sell to somebody, but also have that personal relationship with them and show that you're an expert, be compassionate and say, I totally know I've been there. Here's my story, but also include some of those phrases that they're searching for. Okay. I like that. So it kind of sounds like what you're saying is with social media, those people already know you and they're, you know, they're, they're willing to potentially buy from you. But with the SEO aspect, with that strategy, that's how you scale and get new customers into your audience. Is that exactly. So I think of, um, you know, a blog post, a lot of blog posts on social media that I see do really well, that are sort of like a Buzzfeed article. When you think about Buzzfeed and it's like 16 reasons that you're failing in your business, you know, or something like that, where it's, it's 
pushing a little bit of um, like a pain point for you. And it's a little bit on the negative side. 16 problems, your kids are, you know, 16 right. reasons you need to drink wine at the end of the night, you know, like these kinds of like listicles that are, you want to read them. You want to see what's on this list. But the problem with those, they work really well on social, but the problem with those on search is that nobody's thinking like, hmm, I wonder what the reasons are that my kids are dumping things all over the floor. Right. I wonder what mistakes I'm making. Nobody's going to Google and saying like, what are the business mistakes that I'm making? They're searching for like, why can't I make money doing this? Mm-hmm. How, do I, how do I make more money? Mm-hmm. Not what are the mistakes that I'm making? So you kind of have to reframe the way that you position yourself to think more about what problems people would be searching for. So taking a step back from your, your offer and putting yourself in the mindset of your ideal client. Okay. That's really good because so actually one of the things I have my customers do at the very beginning is figure out, you know, who's my target customer, you know, figuring all about them, their demographics, psychographics, all their, that good stuff. And then figuring out the problem that they're trying to solve with the product, figuring exactly what that is. And then even diving, diving a layer deeper and saying, you know, how do they feel about that problem? What questions surround that problem? And it sounds like what you're saying is you can take that exact homework assignment that I have them do and then turn that into blog posts and different things that, you know, you can optimize existing content with those search terms. Is that kind of what you're saying? Absolutely. And you can even like what I often do with clients when they're selling an online course or a digital product um, is I'll go through each module and think about, okay, what are the things people would search for to get here? And obviously then you're not going to give away everything that's in the module, Mm -hmm. but you want to be bringing people into your site that are having all the problems that you're going to address in your course. Maybe not all the problems all at once, but you want to be able to bring those people in from different perspectives. Okay. So is that, let's say we have, we figure out a whole list of uh, questions that somebody might be asking or wondering um, in order to actually land on your blog, which gets them to be in the queue of potential customers, right? Um, is every question a blog? How does that work? Uh, it's kind of up to you. If you decide that you want to write blog posts, great, write the blog post and and put it up and that way people can find it on Google. If you want to produce videos, then expect people to find you on YouTube for those same search terms. If you want to do both, that's even better because then you can answer the question in a YouTube video, take the YouTube video, embed it in your website, add a link to your website to that blog post from the YouTube video. So there are lots of ways to encourage people to find you that are um, cross-platform uses. Mm-hmm. Podcasts are a little bit tougher uh, because people aren't necessarily sitting at their computer when they're on a podcast. So sometimes show notes can get people over, but people aren't really Googling for show notes. So <laughs> podcasts yeah. are a bit of a different uh, thought process around how to get people over to your webpage. Um, but they, not everything has to be a blog post. There are ways that you can answer people's questions that aren't necessarily, you know, let me write 2,500 words on the topic. That said, if you want to show up in Google search results, long form blog post content is still the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's talk a little bit more about content strategy, um, just to make it like super clear to everybody listening um, that SEO and content strategy are kind of like two peas in a pod. You can't really have one without the other. Um, so from the perspective of a product creator and seller, 
how should they be approaching their content strategy while also considering you know their existing sales funnels that they have going on um, and also trying to show up on Google? So I like to think of SEO and content strategy as a way to fill your funnel. So if you have the funnel in place, if you already know what your product is and you have the sales page, you have the email sequences, you have all of those pieces in place, then that's the time to start really doubling down on your content strategy. So if you, if you have the course, but you haven't quite figured out how to sell the course, Sure, you can absolutely be writing content. Sure, you can be, you know, shoulder tapping people and selling your course that way. But once you have that funnel in place, then you just like think of SEO as your way to fill the funnel. And so you kind of back out from your funnel. You know, if you have, you know, here are the, the seven emails that I have in my in my sales funnel, and here's what the sales page has, and here are all the pain points on my sales page take a step back from those things and think like, what are the questions people are asking to get them there? What are three steps back from there in my buyer's journey? So when people are ready to buy from you, they already know they have this problem. They already know what the problem is and they know that you are the solution. But before they get to the point of having their credit card out in their hands or <laughs> probably more likely signing into their PayPal account, right? <laughs> before they get there, they have to first know that they have a problem and before they get there and they have to know that what the problem is and that you are the solution to the problem. So think of your content strategy as a way to overcome objections in a more long form way. So much good insight here. <laughs> I have so many things. I'm like writing notes your down. Face and you're I'm like, writing notes down like, oh my gosh, I have to ask her about all these things. Okay. So the first thing I'm going to ask you about, you said, think of SEO as filling your funnel, which I think is such an incredible perspective. And I love that you bring that up. So because you brought that up, you're basically saying that your funnel should be set up first, right? I believe so. So, so some people will say, start on your SEO right away because it can take a long time to get started. And it can, but I find with my clients, if they start blogging extensively and then they create the product, sometimes the blogs don't necessarily lead to the product. Yeah. So yeah. my advice for you, especially for people who are trying to build out kind of digital product empires, start with the product and figure out exactly what problem you're solving for which person. And then it's a little bit easier to kind of work backwards and, and build out mm -hmm. all of the objections that they have and start to overcome those objections in your blog posts, start to answer the questions that they're asking in your content. Amen. I love that you said that because so many people are like, no, I can't create my product yet because I have this schedule where I need to write one blog post every single week, or even some people are like even more crazy and they'll say, oh, every other day. No, oh my goodness, no, because ultimately what you're doing is you're attracting traffic and you haven't given them a place to go. You haven't set up that lead magnet to get them on your email list. You don't have that funnel in your email to get them to your product. And it's great that content might be amazing, but it's not really doing anything for you yet. So I love exactly. That. So getting, you know, you can kind of build your, build your, what you're going to sell first, or you can build your audience first and it's fine to build your audience. It's a wonderful thing to have an audience that you can ask questions to while you're building the product to make sure that it's something that they're interested in. But you also want to have an end game in sight. You want to know what it is that you are going to sell your audience before you build your audience because you can get all the traffic in the world to your website if you have pictures of cute cats. 
But if you're not selling them something related to cute cats, then they're not going to buy from you. Mm -hmm. And so many people say, you know, I'm not making any money yet. And my first question is, well, have you given anyone the opportunity to buy anything? (laughs) And a lot of times the answer is no, you know, I don't have a product. I don't even have, I don't have affiliate links. You know, those are two different strategies, but you know, those are two opportunities to make money. And a lot of times their answer is I don't have either of those. And yeah. So you really need to be clear about what it is that you are going to sell to people before you can start writing things that lead them to the sale. Yeah. And then think about, think about your blogs and think about getting people into your blogs through search as the first step in that relationship. Very, very rarely do I see anything where people are, you know, getting to a blog post and going, oh yes, I want to buy this $1,500 course. Mm-hmm. They're getting to the blog post, and I'm sure you, you teach this with all your all the people in your courses. They're getting the blog post, they join your email list. You nurture, 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 then you ask. So you need to have that funnel in place. Blogging and you know, and social media and search and all of these pieces are just ways to build the trust to get those people to know you well enough to want to buy from you. Yeah, and to understand that the problem that they have can be reasonably solved with the product that you're selling. So you do have to know the problem, but you also have to know all of the potential objections that they might have to buying your product so that you can answer all those objections. Like when you said nurturing through that funnel. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So you've been mentioning a lot about, you know, optimizing for search terms. So if you're listening to this and you're wondering, what what does that mean? Um, So this, this ties into keyword research. So I'm curious about your thoughts on traditional keyword research, how has it changed? What are, what are some things that we need to understand in order to have success with that? Uh, so <laughs> keyword research is a very detailed topic and I know that we have a limited amount of time. Yeah. So that's why I, when I'm on a, you know, a, a situation like this, I th- talk about search psychology, which is thinking about what your people are looking for. But if you want to dip your toe into keyword research, um, I would recommend going to, there's a free website called Ubersuggest ubersuggest.io and you can type in um, one keyword that you're thinking about. So in this case, it may be decluttering and it will show up for you. Okay, well, you know, 40,000 people every month are searching for decluttering, but it's a competitive search term. So even if you write about it, you're not going to get those 40,000 people to come to your site. But we still have 10, I'm just making up these numbers. We still have 10,000 people a month who are searching for decluttering my closet. Okay. And that is a less competitive search term. It has fewer people who are searching for it, but it has, it, you're more likely to be found for it. And those people, because they're being more specific in their search, are more likely to take action on it. If you have a, a freebie then, if you have a lead magnet that's just, you know, five steps to declutter your closet in, in less than a day, and they're searching for specifics about decluttering their closet, and they find your website, yeah, they're going to jump in and they're going to download that lead magnet. And then you can lead them into a decluttering course. So if you'll use a keyword research tool, there's plenty out there. Um, You know, keywords.io has different keywords for YouTube and eBay and all of those. So if you're not really focused on Google, you can go to keywords.io for Amazon searches. Mm -hmm. But Uber Suggest is the one that I jump into because it's easier. It has better uh, user experience than something like the Google Keyword Planner. Um, but you can get that information and start to start to look at those less popular keywords that are easier to be found for. Okay. 
And there's even a, a metric right there in Uber suggests that says like this one is you know this one is easy. This one is moderately hard. This one is near impossible. So you'll be able to say to yourself, okay, maybe if I just write a blog post about this topic that you know is the thirtieth in the the thirtieth search term that shows up in that list, maybe that's where you want to get started and you want to kind of claim your stake and be the closet declutterer. And that's all you talk about for six weeks because you're going through shoes and you're going through shirts and you're going, and you know, like you have to be granular almost to the point of, of repeating yourself in order to become an expert at it or to be seen by Google as an expert at it. And so it's okay to be really, really, really incredibly specific. Mm -hmm. I encourage it. You're way more likely to be found by your ideal people. If you are specific, I talked to somebody last week who lives on a boat and writes about how to cook food on a boat for people who have diabetes. Wow, that is very specific. <laughs> she has a huge audience of people who either camp or live on boats and therefore have limited kitchens and still want to cook healthy food. And because she's so specific about this is what I want to be known for, those people are finding her. Okay. That's, that's really good to take note of because oftentimes we feel this pressure to be everything for everyone. But for, when you're thinking about selling a product, first of all, and then second of all, SEO, um, you can't be everything to everybody and you, you shouldn't want to be everything to everybody. You need to be the expert in a really niche market so that people actually know that you're there to help them and also it's easier to find you. But I, I actually, I got found recently, somebody reached out through my intake form because they were looking for an SEO specialist who's also a feminist. I feel like I saw that on your Facebook somewhere. <laughs> I'm really excited about it. But it's like one of those things where it's not even something that you think you can be found for, but you have to really, you have to niche, you have to be really tight on your messaging in order to be found for those specific things. And because I showed up in her search term, she reached out. If she was just looking for an SEO specialist, especially if she was looking for one in her town, she's in California. I'm in New York. Mm -hmm. We never would have found each other. But because I'm so clear in my messaging and so niche about the people that I serve, mm -hmm. It was easy for her to find me for those specific search terms. So it's not just in that, you know, living on a boat way of lifestyle yeah. choices. It can be about the way that you're positioning yourself to your audience and the very, very specific things that you can help them with. So true. And, you know, you might think that you're repelling people, but it's not that you're repelling people. You're just better attracting the people who you're meant to serve, which it sounds like you were doing a really good job at. Exactly. And it doesn't have to be, you know, I only you know, I only help, I, I only do SEO for photographers or you don't have to do industry specific. The way that I think of it when it comes to niching uh, is that you can niche by, you can niche by industry or you can niche by geography and, and serve people who are local to you, which isn't really as necessary for your people even because it's like your digital products you can sell anywhere. Mm -hmm. Or you can be really specific about the, the target audience that you serve. So you can be a life coach that works with divorced single moms of kids below the age of five. Mm -hmm. And if you're so tight specific about the problems that they're having, it will be easy for them to find you. Does mm -hmm. that mean you can't work with a married mom of a kid, a, a kid who's under five? Absolutely not. It doesn't mean that. It just means that you're trying to attract the people who are searching for the things that you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So as you were mentioning, um, keyword research, things like that, I made a note to myself to say that it's if, if that's giving you anxiety, if listening to Meg talking a few seconds ago is giving you 
crazy anxiety and it, it kind of gives me a little bit of anxiety. Too. <laughs> it, 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 sometimes it does for me too. When I get <laughs> This is the perfect thing to realize that you don't have to do in your business because there are other experts out there who can do it for you. And Meg is a great example of that. Uh, I always say like, if you're the leader of your business, you're the, you're the visionary, you have these big grand ideas of where your business needs to go. You don't have to be the one who's caught in the weeds of doing this um, more granular work. It's super important work, but it is more kind of like in the weeds work of your business. It's working on your business versus working in your business. So um, I just wanted to point that out. It's important to have an SEO strategy, but every element of the SEO strategy does not have to be something that you need to do. In fact, somebody else could do it way better than you. And then you can spend your time working on more important tasks in your business. <laughs> and doing the things that only you can do and staying, you know, in your zone of genius. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, we, we always mention that term zone of genius. Like you have this area that you're brilliant at and all the time you spend doing other things that is not your zone of genius. You're just taking away from you growing your business quicker. And potentially losing money because you're spending time doing your books when you could be selling a course. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious for uh, what your perspective is on that. Do you find that a lot of the people you start working with have recognized that they're just not the SEO experts and they could better use their time doing other things in their business? Yeah, I actually, I work with a lot of people who, um, I actually had somebody tell me last month that they were consciously choosing not to do SEO until they talked to me because they were so overwhelmed by it and everyone who they talked to was speaking over their head. You know, she was like, they said I needed SEO and I was like, I don't even know the words that are coming out of your mouth. Yeah. Um, so I think that it can be something where you can just push it to the back burner for a really long time and still have a successful business. So if you don't want SEO to be part of your marketing strategy, that's okay. But the reason that I love it is because it lasts forever. It's not like a Facebook ad where if you don't give Facebook that, you know, 29 cents to get that click. Oh my God, I wish it was 29 cents a click. <laughs> if you don't give Facebook that $5 to get that click, then you don't get the click. Whereas with SEO, once you do the work, it kind of builds on itself. It, it has a slow startup period, but if you continue to produce good content over time, I often see these like exponential, slow, 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 fast, like it takes off and um, it can help you have clients come into your website all hours of the day. You can be on vacation and you can still be selling products if you have SEO leading into your sales funnel that's automated. So once you have that stuff in place, you know, once you have the funnel and the automated sequences and people can enter your courses or, or buy your eBooks, SEO is just a way to fill it without necessarily needing to be pushing out on social all the time. Yeah, this is a really good point. I mean, for me, um, I spent a lot of time on SEO in the very beginning. In fact, that's the only thing I did. Um, good for you. And I, I'm kind of like the opposite of the normal. That's why my whole brand is about being a rebel, doing what other people are not doing. <laughs> um, and so I got on the first page of Google. And yeah, just like Meg said, it just kind of happens really quickly. And then all of a sudden you have this traffic, super targeted traffic coming into your website at all hours of the day, which is just an incredible feeling, but it's not quick. You know, it does, it does 
it's a slow game, right? Like if you're somebody who wants quick results, this is not going to satisfy you by any means, but it, that doesn't mean it should be something that you just ditch and don't. Even it is absolutely a long-term strategy. I actually ran a Facebook ad to a starter kit that I have, which I'm happy to have you put in the show notes. It's a free starter kit. It's one of my lead magnets. Um, and it's like, I try to explain SEO using memes from the office because I just know that people hate <laughs> talking about SEO. It's so, so, you know, technical in some ways. Um, but I was running this Facebook ad and it got rejected because Facebook thought that it was a get rich quick scheme. And mm -hmm. my Facebook ads manager and I were just like, that is so the opposite of yeah, what it, right? is. it is like a get rich, very, very slowly in a compound way. Turtle pace slowly. <laughs> exactly. A snail's pace that grows, you know, 1% every day for the rest of your life pace. You know, yeah. Not even. Oh, I wish it was 1% a day. Uh, but it can take a very long time to get started. So even if, you know, if you download this, this starter hit that I have and you go through everything that's in it, it could still take three or six months for it to start showing up in your numbers. And so SEO can't be something that you rely on as a magic bullet, but it is absolutely part of a long-term strategy for your business to get those leads coming into your website to get your funnel filled. Okay. And I want to ask you before we wrap up to um, the super foundational question, because I know that our listeners are probably wondering, and especially if they're really new to SEO, um, optimizing your content. So we talked about figuring out what, your, what the topics of your blog post can be based on, the problem that your customers are experiencing and some of the questions they have. So now we have these terms, how do we optimize an existing blog post or a new blog post to come up for those terms? Okay, so let's say that you do your a little bit of keyword research, you find the keyword that you want to target, um, you know that it is low competition and fairly high search volume and you're taking a look at all these factors into consideration and it's relevant to what you want to talk about. Um, so then you want to include that keyword or some variation on that keyword in seven places in your blog post. Let me see if I can name these all without having my checklist up. I have a checklist I'll also give to you so that way you guys <laughs> don't have to write this down frantically. Uh, you want it to go in the, the headline of your post. You want it to go in the URL of your post. You want it to go in the meta description, which is the part underneath. Uh, so if you have, if you're on WordPress, then, uh, and you have the Yoast plugin, then those are the three things that it double checks for you. It's like that snippet that goes underneath. So your headline is 67 characters. You want it in those 67 characters. Uh, your URL, your meta description is 155 characters. And I can talk about those <laughs> ad nauseum at another time. Um, you want it to go in the first paragraph of your blog post. You want to fit it in um, about every 250 to 300 words. You want to make sure that Google knows that you're still talking about that topic. Um, you want it to go in the alt tag description of your images. I think there's one more place. <laughs> I know it's seven. In a header two tag, is that what? Yes, a subhead. So you want it to go in a subtitle. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to my SEO days. <laughs> exactly. And so I really quickly want to talk about images now that we're kind of in that space. So when you put an image on your blog post, you can have it as your featured image if you want it to show up there and your featured image will show up in social media as well. Um, if you have a tall image, then it can go directly into Pinterest. Um, and you want a description of that image to go in what's called the alt 
te alt text, which is the alternative text that shows up if that image doesn't load. So thinking about um, two things when you're thinking about your alt text. One is Google can't see pictures. It has no idea if it's a picture of a Van Gogh or if it's a picture of like a wet dog. You know, it can't tell what it is. So you need to tell Google, this is a picture of the, the ebook that I wrote. Um, and then the benefit there is that it could still show up in Google image search for something. So if you write like, um, this is a picture of a gray couch in front of a skyscraper, then it, that image could show up in a Google image search for gray couch and skyscraper. Uh, we also use that alt text as the default on Pinterest. So if somebody clicks on the image in your blog post to post it to Pinterest, the alt text is what should show up underneath. So when you're writing that alt text, make sure that it tells the story of what's in the image and also gives just a little bit of a hint of click through to the blog post to find out more. Mm -hmm. Especially That's, if you're big on Pinterest, you want to be able to drive people back to your website that way. Right. It's also really great for people who are visually impaired, mm -hmm. um, who are having their computer kind of explain what the image is and that will help them as well. Exactly. For those specific browser problems, you know, specific browser settings, mm -hmm. it doesn't show images at all. It just says this is what this image is of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Super useful. Thank you for, <laughs> for giving us that foundation. Um, tell us a little bit more about your starter kit and that checklist, and I'll be sure to link to those in the show notes. Okay, so I have a 13-page starter kit. It basically walks you through the basics of keyword research. It has a list of all those seven places <laughs> that even I couldn't remember and even had to back me up on. Um, and it also has just a list of, um, you know, whether or not you should write this blog post. I have a little flow chart that says, like, has anyone else written a about this before is what I'm saying different. It doesn't make sense to rewrite the same blog post all the time. You really want to make something that people are interested in reading that's different than what's already out there. So what are some ways that you can make this blog post new and interesting? And it has a number of checklists in there that are specifically, you know, making sure that you've you've checked all the boxes of being able to be found on Google for this topic. Um, so that's something that I have available on my webpage, which is megaboltdigital.com. And I'll make sure to send a link to that page right over to you, Eden, so that way you can have it Perfect. in your show notes. Awesome. Okay. And tell us where we can find you online besides your website. Uh, so you and I actually connected on Instagram. That's yeah. where I spend all my time. <laughs> yeah. I have young kids. It's really easy to scroll Instagram while I'm like, you know, doing bedtime. So, so yeah, definitely find yeah. me on Instagram at megaboltdigital. Awesome. Okay, great. Well, we really appreciated having you on the show and sharing all of your SEO wisdom with us. Do you have any final parting words of wisdom for our listeners? Just a reminder that SEO isn't something that you need to do right away to get your business started. But if you want that to be, you know, if you want to work less in your business, it's worth it to put the time into your SEO. So that way your, your website can do the work for you. Yeah. Pay your dues now. So it works for you later. Exactly. It. <laughs> Crank it out now. Hustle, hustle, write a ton. And you're, you're still going to have to write and update it all the time. SEO isn't a one and done thing. It's a constant process, but it's worth it in the long run. If you, if you are thinking about a five or 10 year plan for your business, SEO should be part of it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Meg. Uh, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, Eden. 
just listened to episode 16 of the Rebel Boss Ladies podcast featuring our amazing guest Meg Casebolt, an SEO specialist, who taught you all about how you can use SEO to get more leads and customers for your digital products from the search engines. If you want to learn more about SEO, go grab Meg's SEO starter kit. It's totally free. You can go grab it at megaboltdigital.com forward slash SEO dash starter dash kit. I'm going to drop that link for you guys in the show notes so you can just click it and go grab it super easily. You can also join Meg in her Facebook group, search SEO action heroes in the Facebook search bar and you'll find that. All right, Rebels, thank you so much for tuning in. Remember, we drop a new episode of the Rebel Boss Ladies podcast every Tuesday. And if you love this episode and you love the podcast, be sure to let us know. Head over to iTunes and leave a review for us. Those reviews do wonders in helping this podcast get in the virtual hands of more people just like you who need it. Keep kicking ass, keep putting in the work, and most importantly, keep showing up. We'll see you next time.